Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and I want to welcome you to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. Today, I'm going to be speaking with thought leader and body philosopher, Dr. Saida Desolet, about how to move from victim to thriving in life and love. In my 10 years as a life and dating coach, what I know for sure is that if you identify and heal the unhealthy patterns from your past and honor and value all parts of yourself, especially the parts that people told you were too much or not enough, you're going to transform your love life and become the woman of value who attracts in toe-curling epic love. Every week I bring you a tip on how to be that woman of value, and this week's tip is step 11, which is do not settle. So many of us have settled in love and in life in general, and so much of my journey post-divorce has been about thinking bigger and knowing that we don't want to settle in our life. Life is too short for for settling for something that that is not right for you. So the first step is knowing what is the what is it that you want? What is it that's going to make your heart sing that will be aligned with your truth? And then go for it. Really go for it. And you know, help the help of a coach is is really um, so invaluable in helping you to reach heights that are bigger than you can ever imagine. And I know that every time I have worked with a coach, I have reached levels that I didn't know were possible. So I encourage you to live your best life. Do not settle. And if you would like to learn more about coaching with me, um, you can send me an email at sandy at lastfirstdate.com. And if you are not already a member of my private Facebook group, which is called Your Last First Date, please join us. The conversation there is always positive. It's supportive. It's interesting. And it's so important to be part of a community. So please join Your Last First Date. Now for my special guest today, Dr. Saida wants to live in a world filled with audacious, sexually sovereign women living life on their own terms. She's a thought leader and body philosopher, and she has published several books, The Emergence of the Sensual Woman, The Illustrious Jade Egg, and her innovative method featured in Dr. Christian Northrup's best-selling books, Women's Wisdom, Women's Bodies, and the Secret Pleasures of Menopause, as well as Rachel Abrams' books, Multi-Orgasmic Women, Woman, and Body Wise. After two decades of dedicated embodied professional practice, Saida's vision, visionary spokesperson for sexual sovereignty. So join me now for episode number 300. This is a big one. How to move from victim to thriving in life and in love. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sandy. It is such a pleasure to be here, and I really love uh, listening to you in the intro and the honoring and valuing of all our parts, and um, we have such a, our messages are very in sync, so I'm really excited about being here today. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you, and and, um, yes, I love your message, too, and I I really think that we, we need more empowerment of women, 
And um, so I want you to let's start with your story from victim to thriving. It's a powerful story. So if you can share that with our audience and the key elements to how you transformed. Yeah, absolutely. So the the story that I am sharing is a little intense. I just want to prepare people. But um, when I was 20 years old, I was traveling in the Caribbean and decided to date um, probably the baddest boy on the island, which was very exciting (laughs) for me at the time. (laughs) But because he was the baddest boy, he also um, ended up hurting me a lot. So one of our evenings together turned into a rape And that rape was so violent and intense that I actually um, ended up in the hospital with an emergency surgery. And when I woke up from that surgery, the doctor said to me, um, and this was back in Canada, I had flown back to Canada, and she said, you have two weeks to live. And so it was a scary moment for me. Yeah, right? Mortality in your face. You're 20 years old. You're thinking you're going to have fun and date some hot guys, and it didn't turn out that way (laughs) No. So, so in facing um, this very poignant moment, I'm sharing this because there's an element of what happened that was very important to the transformation into thriving, from victim to thriving. So two things happened. One, I defied the doctor's verdict because I chose to live, despite being told that it was over, there was nothing they could do, and it was about two weeks. So I chose to live, and that was a really powerful choice. And even though most of us don't necessarily have to face our death in our lives, we're faced with choices. And to me, the idea of living a life that's kind of unlived and unexpressed, or as you said um, earlier, that we shouldn't settle, it's the same thing. We're faced by that choice. Am I going to choose to really live my life or not? So that was a very important key element to the healing and the thriving. Uh And the second key element that was crucial was that I was willing to enter my own mystery as a woman and to follow the living truth of my body despite not knowing anything, hardly having any resources, um, and entering a really deep relationship of inquiry and self-love. And that was a huge part of why I believe um, I entered an incredible phase of thriving and expression post that experience. And probably the third, if I'm allowed to say a third. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the third, which doesn't land very well these days, but the third is very important because I really deeply believe that how we define our reality is how we experience it. And so the third was that when this all happened to me, it never occurred to me that I was a victim of rape. And so I wasn't abiding by that idea as I was going through my healing. It wasn't until a few years later that that somebody mentioned it to me. And I sat with what they were saying and said, no, I know I was victimized. That is the truth. It did happen. But my own orientation to the experience, I don't actually feel like I'm a victim of that experience. I had the experience, but I'm much bigger than that experience. And that's what I'd love to talk about today is how we can take these really deep and harsh wounds and transform those very things into our power 
and help those very things enable our own genius to come forward in an even bigger way to create the life that we love. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I, have, I have goosebumps. Um, this is, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way to understand a really, really challenging um, experience. And, I have to say that not only do I admire you for how you transform your life, but I have the same philosophy. And I I think that my biggest takeaway from my divorce was that my husband and I saw crisis so differently. And, you know, one of us took it as a way to grow and the other one took it as a why me. And, Now, when I seek out friendships and romantic partners, it's always about how do you see the things that happen to you? How do you see crisis? How do you see the challenges and what do you do with it? Who who have you become? Mm. Yeah. Right? So that's such an important thing. And I'm, I'm just around myself with people who who grow and who see it as an opportunity for growth and self-reflection instead of victimization. So let's get into this because it's a yummy conversation. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so um, you, yeah, so wh- where would you like to go now with the, with the victim to thriving? Yeah. Because, I mean, we can talk about so many different aspects, but what, what would you like exactly. to share? Well, one of the things that seems to be very emergent right now that that we, I believe, um, I have a passion for this, that's why I believe it, but I believe we need to lean into this and not avoid this conversation. And it's the conversation of what's next because we are in a climate of rapid change. We're in a climate of deep accountability. We're in a climate where our voices are finally being heard. And what I want us to use when we have the ability to be heard, is not only to share the story because that's so important. If we can come out and share our story, there's something very transformative about that because it eliminates one of the biggest factors in this, which is shame. Shame will thrive in the darkness. It thrives in isolation. Uh-huh. When we share our story with, like you said, the appropriate people, the people who want to grow, who want to see how is this experience actually going to serve me in a greater sense? How is that going to happen? So sharing that story, but the secondary part that I want to say, it's more than just sharing our story. We have to risk sharing what we'd actually love. And Sandy, I'm pretty sure in what you're doing, because you're teaching about dating and love and connection, that it's actually more common for women to tell and share what we don't want and what we can't stand than to actually take the vulnerable and intense risk to reveal our inner heart and go, oh my gosh, this is what I'd love. And it's so scary to say it, but it's really what I'd love and to Mm. go for that. So that's where I'd love to had this conversation. Would love that. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a TED Talk many years ago and um I forgot the guy's name. He was from Canada. And he, he was this very nerdy guy and the whole thing was based on asking for what you want. So he would get these interviews with big celebrities and he'd say, How did I get that interview? I asked for it, you know, and it was just it it's 
really stuck in my head because so often we want something, but we don't think we deserve it and we don't ask for it. And so we we live a smaller life than we are meant to live. I truly believe mm. that there's so much more that's possible. And that that was what my my wake up call after my divorce was when a friend said to me, "You have so much more potential than you're living right now." And it was like, "Whoa, she sees that. I've got to go for it." And so let's let's yeah. talk about how do we go for it? How do we take a stand for the things that that we really want and even start to uncover them because I think you're you're right it's scary to say I want this mm. cuz what if I don't what if I don't get it yeah right it's frightening but here's the thing you definitely 100% won't get it if you don't contemplate it and you don't put it out there you are uh-huh. guaranteed to get it so i would rather take the risk the option of the possibility then predetermining an outcome that I have no control over. Right. And that's what we do with fear. We predetermine an outcome and we don't go for what we love. And then we end up living these lives that are half-lived. And because, Sandy, maybe because I, I had to face my death, I'm a pretty intense person, but I want to bite, take a huge bite out of life till the juices run down my chin, you know. I, I, I <laughs> want to take advantage of my moment and, and, in love, like it's such a deep yearning. So in my book, I have a new book coming out in September. It's on desire, and there's a whole chapter dedicated to this deep yearning, this visceral knowing that we want love, like that we want connection and union, and, and that yearning is so valid. It is incredibly valid, and I loved what you said, like do not settle. And so in that mm-hmm. exploration, let's talk about that. Let's talk about if we really want love, and sometimes we're in a relationship right now, we're still starved for love. So if uh-huh. we really want more love, can we hold that first in our own hearts as viable, that that is okay to have that yearning and that we can actually marinate a little bit in the yearning, feel the ache, and let, us, let it inspire us to actually take action. What are the obvious things that I need to do to have that very thing I yearn for. And in your case, it was obvious that you had to divorce your partner and move into Uh a new life in order to invite in more beauty and more greatness and more aliveness, correct? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So so that's, you know, I want to honor that journey for you, Sandy, because that's powerful when we can take a stand for what matters in our hearts. So that's what I would say to the listeners right now probably the first step is are you willing to have that intimate, vulnerable conversation just with yourself, with your own heart, and lean in and say, what is the thing that I would love so deeply that it makes my heart race just even thinking about it? And am I willing to allow that to exist, to make it viable whether or not I have proof that it will ever come into being? Hmm. So so what happens if people are really blocked? Like that just feels too scary because yeah. what if I yearn for it and I don't get it? It's I, I really see this so often. It's not possible for me. It's too late. I'm 53. I will never have love again. I'm like, oh, my God, are you serious? <laughs> you are young. young. You are so vibrant. Young. I mean, so, yeah. but it's, it's a lifetime of shutting down around desire. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, yes. So, so do you have any suggestions for just getting to that place of even imagining? Yeah, so here's the thing. If we are at that place, one of my premises that I work with in my work is that we can only move as fast as the slowest part of us. So if your heart is so tender and so vulnerable that it's just absolutely terrifying to even contemplate anything, then just be there with that. That's enough. The fact is that if how we treat ourselves, how we relate to ourselves, that is the primary relationship. That is the deepest love that we get to have this lifetime. So that's where we get to start. Forget about even going outside of yourself for a little bit. And take some time and say, if I was dating myself, if I was the best thing that ever happened to me, how would I treat myself? What would be interesting about this connection? What do I need? Because I feel really scared to even date myself. (laughs) Uh And start having almost like a childlike innocence of exploring that, not because you have to have a result a certain way, but because the very exploration is... um, that very exploration is the journey of love. That's what it is. And so if it's very tender, like for me, I know sometimes my heartbreak has been so big, I said, I will never love again. This is BS. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I am in love again, you know. But anyway, but what I did in those days is I honored the shutdown. I honored it. I'm like, okay, I'm not ready uh-huh. for other but I do need me. And so what I would do is I would spend a lot of time in nature. And I think that we're, when we're feeling so afraid and so disconnected with human beings, a really good place to start is with our own body and nature. So if you don't have a lot of nature, buy yourself a flower, for example. Have a way to connect with beauty that doesn't have an agenda, but that inspires your heart to open. So you get to look at the flower or you go for a beautiful walk and you let that inform and nourish this heart of yours that is probably very undernourished and start to feed it because we all crave beauty. And so in, it sounds simplistic, but I have seen, Sandy, um, time and time again when a woman truly makes the choice, and a man as well, but I work specifically with women since so speaking to women, uh, but when a woman specifically chooses to start to cultivate a gourmet relationship with herself, she will actually attract that in her life. What happens Mm. is most of us stay in the beggar phase where we believe we're not enough, where we believe we need someone else to be fulfilled and to complete us, et cetera, et cetera. And that line of thinking it's it's very empty. It's like we have that little empty beggar's bowl and we're walking around begging for a crumb. And the way to break that is to just recognize it because we all do it. It's just something we all get to do. It's, we all get to play the beggar. And then we all get to, if we want, to choose to go, hey, wait a second. I want a gourmet plate. What is on that plate? What What is it that I have to offer? And we get curious about that and we give it to ourselves. We literally give it to ourselves. If I want, say, more sensuality with a person, 
I will give it to myself. I'll make sure I get a massage or I take a nice warm bath with, you know, sensual oils and scents. And I give myself that experience so that I'm filling myself. That's where I would start. When we start to feel a little more full, then the possibility of other and connection, it may still be a scary, but it's not like that overwhelmed scary because now you have a place in yourself that's a little more solid where you're standing. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I love this. First of all, your, your words are so beautiful. <laughs> you really have such a facility with language and metaphor, and it's just delicious. So thank you for that. Um, thank you. I, yeah, I just I love listening to you. I think that um, we do have to date ourselves. I mean, that is the first step in my process also. And it's, it's really just taking that time and stopping and taking stock of you and giving yourself because you can't give from an empty cup. You just can't. And um, that's so much of how I experienced life for so long with people who were empty. Mm and unable mm. to really give from their full heart. And so it's not fun to be around people like that. Um, you right. know, it's it's just right. And and you become so you become magnetic when you're filled up because you're not coming from a needy place. You're coming from a place of abundance and you're already full. It's like whatever you get at that point is just more fullness. Um Absolutely. you know, it's it's, it's yummy. That gourmet meal, I love it. <laughs> mm, um, I love it too. <laughs> <laughs> so I want so, to say um, to, to oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, finish what you were saying. I was just excited because I was like, yeah, <laughs> like yes. <laughs> um, I wish we could meet in person. I think we'd have a really fun time. So I, I want to say that that part of the solo love cultivation. That is not something weird. That is a resource, an untapped resource. And when we become not only our own best partner and best friend, but we also become our own best lover, a woman who is full like that, like you said, is profoundly magnetic. And here's the thing that will happen. When you're coming from that place, and and trust me, I have taught women right into their 80s this work, so I know it's possible. I've seen women in their mid-70s not have a relationship or sex for over 20 years, suddenly mm. in a three-month period fully reclaim themselves, their bodies, their heart, and get a young 50-something-year-old boyfriend because they're just <laughs> happening. And the guy's like, oh, my God, I've died and gone to heaven. This woman is spectacular. And she's over 20 years older than he is. I so it. it is possible. It uh-huh. is possible. I've seen it over and over again. And so what happens when we're full, Sandy? And I know that you, I, I have a sense that you teach this. We no longer bargain for love. We don't bargain. Uh-huh. We offer the gourmet plate and we magnetize another person that will have the same, but we don't go, oh, yeah, I'll trade my pickle for your, you know, apple. <laughs> It's not like that. You don't don't bargain anymore. You don't need to because you're actually at home in yourself. You're having really – I remember a moment in my solo cultivation time having such an exceptional experience and like, oh, my God, how is any human ever going to compare to this? You know, it was so good. (laughs) (laughs) And then I realized, oh, relationship is about celebration. I don't need to 
I need to enter a relationship where, where we are in the majority of the time, because there is moments where we're working through things, but the majority of the time, the intent is to see each other's greatness and to celebrate the greatness in one another. Hmm. And, uh, and that's, that was a big shift for me on this journey. Yeah, that is a huge shift for most people if they even get there. And I actually did a Facebook Live about this last night because I see so many women who are bargaining, who are also really focusing on the wrong things. And they're saying next to men, you know, about men for whom they have not spoken up about their needs. Um, They expect men to read their minds um, all kinds of stuff like that, which don't happen when you really get that sense of who you are and how to express yourself with grace. And um, and I had an experience recently with a guy who started out being really interesting, and, and he seemed to, to have a lot of the qualities I'm looking for. And And then, you know, just all these little red flags started popping up, and I ended it before meeting him. And he wrote me back the nastiest... <laughs> nastiest response and it's just like thank you for that confirmation that I made the right choice because you are so threatened by me I mean he was he thought I was competing that all I cared about was my own success and that I didn't like men and that I want a Porsche and a private jet I mean he just he had me completely misread and I was just like hmm this is interesting so glad I didn't waste time meeting this person (laughs) But you get to right. you get to know these things so quickly when you know who you are and what you know what you want, you know what you're not going to tolerate anymore. And so there's no bargaining. Exactly. There's no like I'm going to ignore that red flag. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. And now we've entered when we're in that place. Um, we've claimed our sovereignty, which we actually, you know, that's a human birthright in my mind, sovereignty. And so when we claim it and truly live it, it's exceptional and. And what struck me about what you were just sharing, Sandy, is that there is no perfect way of doing this. We're always going to have, like, weird mistakes and make these little things. Life is messy. So if we can learn to be messy and enjoy it and stay in integrity with what is our true north for ourselves, then we're actually engaged in a very dynamic human experience. Mm-hmm. It's true, the integrity piece. So that's the piece where a lot of people do not even know what is their true integrity, what is their true north. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's and, why they give up so much for other people without really staying true to who they are. Yes, and it's it's actually part for me, the way that I see us evolve is, you know, we start out dependent as children, which makes sense. And we, in, in that phase, we get externally validated. We're getting a lot of reflection to understand ourselves. And then in the teenage years, we're still looking at external validation, but now we're kind of pushing away and trying to get into this independent, I'm independent phase, right? And there uh-huh. is another evolutionary moment where we realize, actually, I'm interdependent. And in order to be interdependent, I need to self-validate. So I'm not going to push everyone away because I realize I need relationships to be a human being. And I'm not going to be codependent either. Uh-huh. So it's, it's a very important thing where when we engage in loving ourselves, in understanding ourselves, in really, and I believe this starts, Sandy, with 
a relationship with our bodies. It's, you know, that's a direct relationship. How do we treat our body? Mm-hmm. That that begins there, and then the heart will unveil. And you know, it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. There's no quick pill to this, but it does happen purely with a choice. That's why in my story in the beginning, I said choice is important, and we make mm-hmm. choices every day. Are we making choices we aligned with our wounds? Or are we making choices aligned with what we love? And that's really mm. it. And we get to, that's the rudder. That's the compass. Is this choice life-giving, where I feel enhanced and more energy and alive and connected? Or is this choice life-taking, where I start to feel depressed and mad or shut down? And that's it. It's the compass. I love it. I, I I teach something so similar to you. Um, it's I because so many people connect based on wounds. I mean, this is how I was as a you know younger in my twenties, thirties. I would connect to everybody based on our wounds. Oh my God, you had a crazy mother too, and oh, I had this, you know, and and all the bad things yeah. because that feels connecting. But when you connect from your higher self, from love, it's so much of a higher vibration. And I I think like especially when you're just meeting somebody and you start hearing somebody complaining, it just makes them look like a victim instead of a victor. And you know, mm-hmm. which brings us back to the topic of our conversation today. It's really we're at choice. We're at choice with the words we say, how we connect to people. And I think even in the energy that's exchanged between two people who are dating, who are meeting and relating, what is the energy? Is the energy life-giving or is it life-taking? Is it draining you or is it giving you life? And in every choice that we make, I believe, you know, I've helped clients with this who came from fear to really start coming from a place of love, love for yourself, you know, the difference between eating a healthy breakfast and saying I'm eating it because I don't want to get fat or because I'm, I'm eating it because I love my body and I value my health. Um, mm. I love myself. You know, there's a huge difference. And so you go around the whole day and every choice you make, I'm drinking water now to hydrate myself because I love myself. I honor myself. Or I'm drinking because I don't want to pass out. You know, so just <laughs> that slight difference in how we approach life in moment to moment can really start changing the neuropathways in our brain. Absolutely. And... What's amazing about what you just said is this activity, this conscious activity of doing things to honor the self-love choice, for example, it actually self-induces oxytocin, which is absolutely necessary for the body and for well-being. So Mm. that's what's amazing is when you engage in self-care practices, you actually change um, your brain chemistry. And like you said, you're building new neural pathways that are more aligned with what's true now for you, what's emerging mm-hmm. and true for you now. So it's very exciting. And the other cool thing that I just recently learned um, is that we actually reverse the aging process when we engage in these types of activities. It's been proven now with the telomere research. So I was pretty excited about that. <laughs> mm, I love it. Well, you know, you can tell. Yeah. You can tell when somebody's living in alignment, they feel youthful. You know, whether yeah. or not, you know, I don't know what's happening in their bodies. It sounds like there's more going on than, than meets the eye. But I saw a woman yesterday who was uh, on a video about she's 98 years old. She's a park ranger. 
an African-American woman. She had so much vitality. She stood straight up. Mm. She looked so healthy. And she takes a stand for inspiring African-American women to know that, that they can achieve more in their lives. And, you know, she she was so inspirational. And But she looked so young and happy and healthy. And you could just you feel the vibrancy. You feel it. You know, it's just wonderful to be around people like that. Um, Saida, this is such an amazing conversation. Uh, we could talk for hours, but unfortunately we're at the end of our show. And I love the work you're doing in the world. And um, I would love for you to share how people can find out more about you and and get in touch if they want to work with you. Absolutely. There's there's two things that are happening right now that are exciting. One's called My Reclamation, myreclamation.com. And it's a, an invitation where it's for women, but it's any woman who really wants to explore what would a journey of reclamation look like? You know, how does it work to go from victim to thriving? And it's a free little training that I'm doing um, soon. And then the replay will be available on that URL as well if you miss it. Or you can come and check out something called The Daring Project, where I encourage it's a global community of women encouraged to develop and grow their confidence and their voice and to really go for what they love and live life on their own terms. And what does that look like, especially with all our conditioning? It's an amazing group of women. They inspire me on a daily basis. And so that's also um, free to try at The Daring Project. Mm, I love it. I, I'm actually moving into a whole new coaching um, website, and it's going to be called The Woman of Value. And it's a very similar oh, type of direction. Yeah, it's it's really about love and life mastery and developing the, the core confidence to, to show up, stand up, and speak up in your life. And so we have a lot, a lot in common here. I, I'm definitely going to check out your communities, and um, I would love to talk offline about ways that we might be able to support each other. Fantastic. I would love that, and thank you again to have, for having me on your show and for this amazing conversation. And I just want to honor and thank the listeners for their beautiful hearts and just for them to know that you can completely, completely choose what, is, what really matters to your heart and I believe just because of what happens in my own life, what I witnessed with over hundreds of thousands of people, is that when we take a stand for our hearts, it starts to show up. So thank you so much, Sandy. Oh, thank you. And that was a beautiful way to end the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Um, if you have gotten value out of our show, please subscribe on iTunes to Last First Date Radio. And I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. <laughs>